and I, I know that special um, is one of my wife's favorite specials, and you couldn't have sung anything uh, that would have thrilled her more. She's commented on that every time she's heard it, so she's very, very grateful. We all are. Thank you. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> and this is entitled, uh, we're talking about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, the battle that, that we're involved in as believers. And this one basically is titled The Battle for the Mind. Now, I, I can say this, and you've probably every one of us have heard excellent messages uh, on the battle uh, for the mind. Uh, I mean, some of the greatest theologians and preachers have preached dynamic, powerful. So there's no way in a short period of time to cover uh, all the aspects of the battle for the mind. So we're going to do the best we can in the allotted time that we have. But let's keep it, man, I'm going to kind of deviate a little bit as we get into it. But let's look at beginning in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. And just, I've got that word underlined because the whole idea is that there are a lot of people do not even realize that there is a real battle going on. It's a, it's a spiritual battle. It's basically a lot of unseen things. Um, We've watched over the years, we've watched young couples start off dynamite for the Lord, fired up. I never will forget, before this building was built and we were in another building, uh, there was a young couple, they'd gotten saved and they were on fire. And, and the young man said this to me in the hallway outside the office, I don't care what the devil throws at me, he's not going to stop us. And they're now divorced today, and their life is, he's trying to put things back together. But I mean, it just, they, it was like a freight train hit them, and they did not do well. So we need to be aware not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, because he's out there and he's going to throw everything at us he can. But we're in a war, and that's what I want you. We do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now in a special way to just uh, teach us from your word how to uh, be engaged in this battle, not to be afraid, not to be fearful, not to be overly concerned, but just to be empowered by the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that lives in each believer, resides inside of us, that we would be able to experience victory in a major way in all the dealings and all the things, family issues, church issues, all the things that we encounter in life. I just pray that we would be live out the fact that we're more than conquerors through Christ. And uh, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So I just pray that you would just do a great work today. Help us to be alert, to be uh, eager to learn, and to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So about two weeks ago when I did my last one message on this, I forgot to mention what happened on the way here I did. I mentioned today that there was a, the whole freeway was shut down, and we had to ride the service road all, almost to the woodlands. I think we got on somewhere near the woodlands after Crichton, and then you know we uh, seven, eight, ten minutes, seven, eight minutes late. But the time before, we're driving along forty-five, going the speed limit, sixty-five miles an hour, just having just. I like to ride in. A lot of people disagree with it. I ride the center lane because I'm going 65 and people are going past me. 
So I like to ride the center lane and people are blowing past me and going past and I'm just enjoying, you know, we're just just cruising to church and I'm getting ready to preach and I'm really excited. And beside us pulled up this like sports car, Carvette, not Carvette, but a Carvere or not a Carvette. What would be, uh, huh? It was a Chevrolet. Camaro, 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 Camaro. But it had the pipes and, and they got it. And I'm just going like this, just relaxed. And all of a sudden beside me, brum, 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 and he just right, he stops right there beside me. And he just revs it. Brum, 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 brum. And I, I, I said, my, where'd that come? Who's that? Now, we're in the truck, you know, looking down. Who is this guy? What does he think he's doing? And then all of a sudden he gunned it and took off and exited. Guess what he had on his personal license plate? Those black, the personal one? Lucifer. I told Linda, I said, I just saw Lucifer. He's, he's, he's headed off the freeway. Now that happened and some of you say, oh, you're making that up. No, I'm not making that up. I am preaching that we as Christians in our church would understand that we're in a spiritual battle and we need to be engaged. We don't need to be ignorant and need to be aware. And Satan will do everything he can to destroy your family and our church. And we as born again believers do not have to put up with it. But we have to be careful that we're obedient to the word of God. So, for we wrestle. Look at Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians, where we have been. Ephesians chapter 6. Not going to read all of it about the armor. But for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I, I, I don't have a lot. My library is small. I don't have a big, but I like to, I like W.E. Vine. My wife just recently got me a set and I've had the old set of Matthew Henry's, but it, the print was so tiny. I mean, at my, I can't even see it. I mean, you would have to have a magnifying glass to see. So she bought me a Matthew Henry study Bible. So uh, the, this is from W.E. Vine about the word wrestle, for we wrestle. It's akin to P-A-L-L-O. It means to sway or to vibrate. It is used figuratively in Ephesians 6, 12 of the spiritual conflict engaged in by believers. So it's referring to our wrestling and the fact that we wrestle not against flesh and blood not against flesh and blood. Listen to what Matthew Henry, and I'm not going to be able to read it all to you, but let me read something <clears throat> from my new study Bible, uh, Matthew Henry. Now listen to this, and it's awfully powerful. What a danger, what our danger is, and what need we have to put on this whole armor. The combat is not against ordinary human enemies. The combat, I love that choice of words. The combat is not against ordinary human enemies, not merely against men made of flesh and blood. But listen to this, but against several ranks of devils who have a government which they exercise in the world, principalities, powers, and rulers. They are numerous, vigorous, and rule in those heathen nations which are yet in darkness. They are usurping princes over all men who are yet in a state of sin and ignorance. Satan's is a kingdom of darkness, whereas Christ is a kingdom of light. We must stand armed in Christ's complete whole armor. We must stand against Satan. Now, we don't do hand-to-hand -hand combat with Satan. We use the sword of the Spirit. But we stand against Satan, and we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and we, we do resist the devil, and the Scripture says he will flee, and we stand against sin. 
He will oppose us. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. He is out to oppose us. And it's not just us. It's because Christ in us. And we must oppose his lies. We must recognize and stand against and oppose his lies and his devices. We should not aid him. Now, I want to just deviate here. I said I would. I want to deviate just a little bit here, and I want to flip uh, over to the book of James. James chapter 3. Thinking about how we aid him. <clears throat> this is about the tongue. You're very familiar. You've read these uh, passages so many times. For in many things, verse 2, we offend... All, if any man offend not in word, the same is per, a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn uh, about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which they, though they be so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small hem, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it, is, it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. By my brethren, these things ought not be. Very familiar passage. You've seen it. You've read it. You've heard sermons on it. But it's important that we understand that the Scripture is clear the birds of the air, the animals, they've all been tamed by man. But the tongue, no man can tame. The tongue, no man can tame. But I do believe the tongue can be tamed in the believer by the Holy Spirit. The tongue can be under the control of the Holy Spirit. A tongue under the control of the Holy Spirit will, listen to this please, will. If you're led, controlled, you're being walking in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit's in control of your life, the Holy Spirit will, will govern you, your tongue, help you with your tongue to exercise self-control. There'll be things, listen, I want you to, I want, this week, try this, think about it. Think about, in, in our relationship, I, I've had to go back and say, oh, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. Anybody else? I mean, I'm sure I'm the only one. But I do believe you do have a split second to, that you can think about, you think about it. And, and that the Holy Spirit can give you self-control. In other words, you thought, you just about blasted it, you just about said it, but the Holy Spirit's in control and stopped you. He can, he can stop you. You can have His control. He will help you to exercise limitations on your tongue and what we say. Now, there are a lot, and I wish we had the time to look at all the verses. There are so many Proverbs 12, 18, there, and, and these are so good. There is that speaketh like a piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. 
In other words, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Not destruction. Not criticism. But healing. Proverbs 17, 27. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man understanding of understanding is of excellent spirit. So he that hath knowledge spareth his words. They're just you, words you could say, but you don't have to say. Proverbs 17, 28. And this one, I think everybody, if you don't know it, we all should know it. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed among men of understanding. Now let me say it this way. A wise man under the control of the Holy Spirit will choose his words wisely. You'll say less and you'll pray more. That's a nice little saying. Y'all, we, we need to memorize that. I should say less and pray more. Would y'all say that with me? Could we do that? I think that'd be a great exercise. I should say less and pray more. Now, I didn't read that anywhere. That just came from the Holy Spirit to me, little old me. That's, that's exciting. Y'all might want to put that in your book of remembrance. I should say less and pray more. And we might want to exercise a lot of self-control when it comes to saying things about other people. Are the words that we're about to say, though they may be true, are they going to bring health? Are they edifying? You know, let me just say this, and y'all understand. <clears throat> I know a lot about a lot of you. I mean, you've told me some things. I've had people tell me things. And I've had people tell me things about you. Now, what if, what, <laughs> what if, what if I decided to just spend some time telling everybody what I know that's true about some of you? Would it be healthy? Would it be beneficial? Would it be better for the cause of Christ? Would it cause you to look good in the, in the eyes of others? No, I think when you compare like 1 Corinthians 13 that we should think the best of everybody, then we have a responsibility when we communicate. I, I, I'm not going to say, even though it might be true of your character, or, I mean, I'll just, I'll put myself out there, okay? I hate to do that because I think somebody will probably use it. <laughs> what if you started saying, have you noticed the pastor's always late? I mean, he's he was going to be on time today, but he was late. Now, but last week he wasn't, the freeway wasn't shut down and he was still five minutes late. I mean, what if you started saying those things and everybody in the whole church, you know, you're all in a huddle and whispering saying, the pastor's late, the pastor's late, the pastor's late, the pastor's late. Is that, is that good for the body of Christ? No. And you know what? You don't have to be my Holy Spirit. I've been working on being on time for 75, for almost 75 years. And I'm not even going to blame my wife and her family. I'm not. Although, you know, when our family said we're going to have the prayer at 12 noon, we were bowing at 12 noon. And they may say we're going to have the prayer at one and we're bowing at three. I mean, but, but it's, I just, I'm using that as a silly illustration to show, yeah, it's a battle, it's real, but I don't know that it's beneficial to the church and to the body of Christ to be talking about those things. We ought to be saying, man, I mean, you know, if you can say, if you could come up with something positive, it might be better to say that. 
And again, I've told y'all, you know, for all those years, you know, my mother-in-law would look at me like a calf looking at a new gate. I know there's something wrong in your life, but your my daughter has never told me. She never mentioned, she never went to her mother and told me any of my character flaws or any of my problems. She never went to her. Though she could have to have a sympathetic listening ear. So I'm, I'm thinking when we are under the control of the Holy Spirit, we will exercise limitations, self-control, and it ought to be edifying and building up the body of Christ and build up the other person and make them look good. I mean, you don't have to lie, but I think, I think good, constructive, good statements about other people, positive statements, I think that's healthy. That brings health. That's what the scripture is talking about. And whatever we do, the scripture says we're to do all for the glory of God. So it's important that we concentrate on our words, our tongue. Uh, the tongue is so important. The scripture in James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now this leads us to the main topic of the day, which is the battle for the mind. Because this all goes together, because what we think uh, has so much that's in uh, Proverbs 23, 7. He even says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, what is it? As a man thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So I think what is going in our mind, what we're thinking about in our mind, comes out many times in our words. And that's why it's so important to, we're going to have to deal with this, the mind issue. The dealing with the mind, the battle for the mind. I do believe there's a strong battle. I believe the enemy forces, the rulers of darkness, are doing everything they can to control our minds. I, I believe it with all my heart in school systems. I believe over the years, over the years there have been indoctrination. It's been, it's been basically very subtle, but it's over a lifetime, over time, you get young people that are now in their 30s and 40s. They're marching around saying America's bad. You know, capitalism is bad. Free enterprise is bad. Uh, the, they the, hate America. They hate the flag. They hate, how did they get there? It just didn't happen overnight. It was, it was generation after generation that heard it from liberal, immoral teachers instructors that have influence, lots of influence over the minds of children. And I, I'm so grateful to God. I'm so grateful that God led us in our quest. We didn't know what we were doing, but I, we determined that we would rather our children be totally illiterate and have the character of Christ be saved, walk in the Spirit, learn the things of God, and eventually God would lead them. And we wanted to protect their minds from the lies and the deception that are being indoctrinated in the school systems and the colleges. And we stand, I stand on that today. No apologies. Now, can a person, can a believer make it through the public school system and make it through college? Absolutely. We, we, know, we, know, we know ones that have done it. So it can be done. But we also know of a bunch that have washed out. What's going on in our mind not only will end up with our words, but it can end up, we can have actions that follow. Our appetites. I don't even know, you know, I was trying to do a little bit of reading. My wife and I was discussing with about, you know, some of the studies and the tests and the things that people do, you know, these universities do on the mind and everything. And it was just so mind-boggling, I couldn't really understand it. But... uh 
Just think about when you think about, oh, I need a bite to eat. Well, where did that come from? I don't really think it came from a growling stomach. I really don't. I think it started in my mind. My mind said, oh, maybe that you need a snack. And then what happened? I thought about it and I said, that's a pretty good idea. And I get up and I go get one. Oh, listen, I got to tell you all this. You know, I'm a big Bluebell fan. I love Bluebell. But I, I did a little bit of research and recently, and this is not, I mean, I'm not promoting anything over anything. I just want to tell you what we've done. I've done, and Linda's just gone along with it. But I've come home with some little pints of haagen And I'm going to tell you what, that little pint, that was, <laughs> Bill, get, <laughs> Bill, Bill, Patty, get back in here. let's give him a big hand come on good for Bill (laughs) that's a good move Bill (laughs) took a lot but you know I think on the little pint thing that I had it was uh, Rocky Road and I think I can't remember I can look on my phone my phone's over there I can look I took a picture of it I think the calorie was 990 calories or something in a pint or something whoa this is this is (laughs) this is potent stuff here but now, where were we? Um, <laughs> no, I know exactly where I am because I have my notes right here that are handwritten. But, but Satan, <laughs> but it's really good, but it's rich, okay? But Satan's strategy is to cause us to think. Now, I want you to follow this with me. If we had a little break and laugh there a minute, I want you to think now. He, Satan's strategy is to want us to get to thinking, and, I, and I about, I've, I'm telling you, it's real, and I struggle with it just as much as anybody else. He, he goes after our minds, and he gets us to thinking negative thoughts about the other person. Okay? So it, it starts in the mind. He's trying to control our mind, and he wants us to, to start thinking negative thoughts. Not uplifting, not edifying things, but negative things about another person. He will plant thoughts, fiery darts, if you will, of carnal thoughts in our minds. He will bring our flesh, we battle bitterness, but he will bring up hurts. You remember when so-and-so said that about you and it hurt you so bad? Or it embarrassed you? So bad. And these stuff, I'm telling you, think about it through the week and your, your brain is constantly having these things flutter through like a fiery dart. Negative thoughts about other people, carnal thoughts, fleshly thoughts, bitter thoughts coming back, unchristlike. I mean, you just say that whole, that whole series was unchristlike. Those thoughts, and when we dwell on those things, often turn into words, and then they can turn into actions. And I don't want to belabor, but a lot of these events that we're seeing take place um, in, in, the, in the world and in our country, <clears throat> they didn't just one day wake up and go do it. They'd been thinking about it a while. And there were things that were, they were putting in their, listen, I can tell you this. Police officers have told me this. When they have a person that is threatening to do something bad with their own life, many times, most of the time, they've got very hard metal music going in the background when the police arrive. Many times. So, you know, don't, don't act like, well, music doesn't have any effect on my life. Oh, music does have a lot of effect on our lives. When you're hearing those country twangy things talking about running on around on your wife and getting drunk. And uh, I, I told you well, years and years ago, I was pumping gas and they were playing something over the thing. And it was like, the more I drink, the more I, the drunker I get. And the more I drink, the drunker I get. And I thought, is this all this whole thing is about? More drinking and more drunkenness? I mean, 
That's real edifying, isn't it? That's what Christians ought to be listening to. Yeah, let's listen to how to uh, run around on your spouse. Come on, people. When you stand before God, you are going to find out that all of that was unchristlike, and you should have eliminated it out of your life, out of your vocabulary, and you shouldn't have been participating. You mark it down. Mark it down. You will find out that that should have been turned off long ago. Because this is not the first time you're hearing this. So what goes in our mind really has a... Why do you think... I looked this up. I mean, you know, research. I'm the research kid now, you know, with my smartphone. Um, <clears throat> so I Googled about advertising. And I, I don't even what I don't know when I've even seen a play from a Super Bowl. But I'm going to use it as an example because it's a big, big advertising deal. Why do they pay so much money? Here's some examples. 2017, for 30-second advertisement during the Super Bowl, 30 seconds. In 2017, it was $5 million for a 30-second spot. 2018, it was uh, 5,000, 200,000. 19, 5,300,000. 20, 5,600,000. 2022, $6.5 million for a 30-second spot. Why? Because you've got all those minds out there seeing these images, planting those seeds, and do you think they're going to recover? <laughs> they'll get their money back. Why? Because when people get it in their minds, they think about it, think about it. Advertising works. Once you, get, you weren't thinking about a thing, and all of a sudden, an advertisement or a catalog. I mean, and I can tell you, I was, I was as guilty as him. Cabela's, I used to get all those Cabela's, and I'd be, I'd be going through those Cabela's, and I would see stuff I hadn't even ever thought of getting, but I'd end up getting it because it went in my mind. And I thought about it enough, thought about it enough, thought about it enough, and I finally acted on it. Advertising works. It's like planting seed thoughts in your brain, in your mind. Once we start thinking about it, Eventually, we'll probably act on it. So that's why it's so important that when ungodly thoughts come, we take them captive right away. You deal with them right away. When, I mean, and I, I again, I'm, I'm saying we all struggle with this, but when you have a thought about somebody that's a negative thought, something about somebody uh, bad, you know, Satan put that thought in your mind, and, and we don't want to we don't want to dwell on that. We want to stop it, nip it in the bud, end it. But you know, you might, I mean, little examples like they don't like me. They don't like me. Or, I mean, what if you saw somebody, about three or four people in a circle standing in the foyer, and they, they looked up and saw you coming, and then they all split. You know, you'd, in your mind, you'd think they were talking about me. What were y'all saying? What were you saying about me? I know you were. I know you're talking about me, but that's not the case at all. And then people say, I wish they'd just go away. It wasn't long ago I got a text from a person, and this actually happened. This was not long ago, before, before we got COVID. person sent me a text and said, it's been a while since I've heard from you. I'm just curious if I've said something to offend you is the reason we hadn't made contact in a while. But in that person's mind, they were thinking that they had said something to offend me because that's why they hadn't heard from me. And I sent a text back. I said, absolutely not. There's no way that you've ever offended me. No. So we made further contact. My wife and I set a time and we went and met at a restaurant and we had a fabulous time and they came over to our house and I said, I'm just so sorry. I mean, it was not anything intentional. It was just unintentional. 
But Satan started putting that in their mind. So you see, folks, we have got to be aware. That, I mean, you hear it today. Let's, let's act on it. So where are these thoughts coming from? I think it's real important that you and I can distinguish the voice of God and the thoughts that Satan's planting in our minds. We really need, as spiritual uh, mature believers, we need to be growing to the point that we can recognize it. My wife is a... Listen, I'm telling you, the, the help that our spouses can give. I might say something and she'll say, now where do you think that thought came from? Say, well, all right. Don't you know you're not supposed to preach? Don't preach to the preacher. But she's right. Where did that thought come from? Satan put it there. And it was unhealthy. It was, it was negative. It was bad. It was, it was something that was not edifying. And, and I re you recognize and say, all right, I'm going to resist that thought and put that out of my mind and take captive and do all those things. But the fiery darts are going to keep coming, y'all. They're going to keep coming. And I just want you to, yeah, we need to help each other. We need to help each other. I, I hope I can give this illustration where, and it's, I mean, this has actually happened. Where a person was having, and I, I want to say this carefully, a person was having, I'll just say, wrong mental thoughts about another person, and the other person didn't know a thing about it. Okay, so this person was battling mental thoughts that were not good thoughts, unchristlike thoughts about this other person. So they contacted me and said, uh, I want to contact this person and tell them that I, I need to ask them for forgiveness because I've had these thoughts about them. And I said, I don't think that's really necessary. They don't know a thing about it. They don't know you've been having these thoughts. You've not communicated anything to them. I just don't think it, it's necessary for you to contact them. This is totally unknown to them. I said, what you need to do is you need to repent before God and tell God that you're sorry for your sin. And you need to turn to God with this. So I think we can help each other and protect each other by not saying things that are really, and you've heard of it, well, if I'm not part of the problem or the solution, don't tell me. And I really do think that's a simplified version of, let's help each other. You don't have to bring other people into certain things unnecessarily. Many times you do, Satan will take it and just blow it up like an atomic bomb. And you think, wow, man, how did this happen? You could have prevented it possibly by just keeping it to yourself. Now, if you've kicked the person in the shin, you know, in the lunchroom, and you said, don't get ahead of me, and you kick them, you know, well, you need to ask them for forgiveness. Or if you cut in front of them, you know, doing elbows and all that stuff because you got the bluebell out, and, you know, you're getting ahead, you know, with the bluebell. Ask them for forgiveness for that. But things they don't, I mean, we can help each other. And, and another thing, I've learned, and I am still learning, that in this pulpit, there are words that I don't need to even say in the pulpit because it can produce images in people's minds that they don't need to have produced. So you have to be careful. I think as long as you stick with scriptural terms, you're pretty safe. <clears throat> our minds are constantly thinking I don't know how long it's been since you've just tried to just tone everything out and just you know just sit down in total quiet some of you that have you know all the children and everything I know that you're saying there's no way I mean I, those days are long gone but, um, but I would encourage you to, to try to find a way, to find a place, even if it's ever so brief, to find some time to just to be still 
and listen to the voice of God. And if you memorize scripture, meditate on that scripture, think about that scripture, have your Bible, let the word of God, let the word of God do some washing of your mind. But it need, you need to be quiet. You need to find a place of quiet. And, and I, I understand. I totally get it. It's very difficult. But Isaiah 26.3, Thou will keep, uh, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind, isn't it amazing the word mind, whose mind is stayed on thee. You want to have peace? You want to have freedom from all the turmoil and all the uh, ruckus that's going on in your heart? Our minds need to be stayed on the Word of God and on the Lord Jesus Christ and allow the, the Holy Spirit to wash our minds with the water of the word. We need to be aware of the negatives that are popping into our minds, and they do. We need to be aware, and we need to uh, begin to use the weapons. What is the most powerful weapon of our warfare? In the battle for the mind, the most powerful weapon of the warfare is the spirit of truth, the sword of the spirit, the truth of God's word. Really, that is, that is it. That's the most powerful. And that you can use to pull down strongholds. Now, the believers, the believers that heard about strongholds, they understood in their day about strongholds. They, they many times were built on a hill. It was like a fortress. It would have sometimes a moat around it with alligators in it. I mean, and they would, they would run there for safety. They understood strongholds. And you see Satan, and we've had all kind of good, if you've ever been to any of the seminars, you've had some great teaching on, you know, taking back the strongholds and, and all of that. But we need to be aware that Satan is about taking, building, taking ground and building strongholds in our mind. And we can use the Word of God and the power of the Word of God to destroy, to tear down that fortress and demolish these strongholds <clears throat> that have been erected by Satan with spiritual weapons. Not, not psychology, but spiritual weapons. We need to use the Word of God. And we need to use that sword as godly believers, uh, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God against all the satanic falsehoods that are coming our way. And they're coming at all of us. And we're instructed to bring, take captive every thought. So it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy task to sit back and say, with, with our minds, our brains are so active all throughout the day and night. I mean, our brains are constantly moving and taking, having thoughts rush through. But it's we as a believer, we've got a responsibility and an opportunity to take captive those negatives, those wrong thoughts, those immoral thoughts, the ones that are in disobedience to the things of God and, and use the truth of God's word as a sword to to tear down those thoughts in your mind. Negative thoughts, critical thoughts. And some people are just they say, well, I'm just born critical and negative. Well, as a believer, you can change that. As a believer, you can see have things go another way. You can have pure thoughts. In our day, and I'm I am very concerned. I'm very concerned about the children, the generation of this day and age. There are so many electronics. And, and listen, folks, don't misunderstand me. I do appreciate the, the benefit, being able to use for, for good, but this constant, this idea of constantly having a screen or a phone, I mean, just pay attention. Look in cars. Look at people. Why do they have signs on the freeway? You know, drive now, text later. I mean, it's because people are addicted. I've gone to the medical center to make a hospital visit, and I've seen people literally, doctors with white coats and nurses going up and down the sidewalks, and they don't know what's going on around. They're looking at their phones. 
And why do you think that is? It's because Satan wants believers to be not engaged in spiritual things. So anything he can use that seems to be legitimate and harmless to distract us from hearing the voice of God, he will use it. He will use it. So let's turn to a kind of a closing thought in uh, Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4. Let me just start with verse six. This is this is it's neat to have that all together there. Uh, chapter four, <clears throat> verse six and following. Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. Just stop worrying. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. You see, I, I'm really believing those that Isaiah passage and this it all just really goes together. If you want to have the peace of God, it, you just go to the Lord, communicate with him, talk to him. You don't have to you don't have to get on the Internet and talk to people. You can just talk to him. He's always available and he's not going to hurt your feelings. He may, he's going to tell you the truth and tell you where to turn uh, from certain things. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which patheth all understanding, shall keep your hearts or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So if you want the peace of God, your heart is going to have to be guarded and protected by the word of God and by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in our minds. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Isn't it amazing? Scripture absolutely makes it very simple. What am I supposed to be thinking about? Start with that list. There's your list. Now, if somebody's wanting to give you negatives about somebody else, you don't have to be rude but you can just very politely say, I don't think this is necessary. This conversation is really not necessary. I don't, I don't need to be hearing that. Because my mind, my mind needs to be on things that are of good report. They need to be on things of virtue. Praiseworthy things. Let your mind dwell, one version says. Let your mind dwell on these things. So if we're ever going to see a hope for change in our behavior, in our character, in our attitudes, in our actions, it's going to have to be because the Word of God, we've allowed the Word of God to take high priority over these carnal thoughts that come in our minds every day. And we all, we all fight them. We all have them. They're very real. And they're going to come and you watch this week, you're going to have an opportunity. Things are going to come in your mind that you have no business thinking about and dwelling on. And this would be an opportunity put into practice, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. When it comes to your mind, take captive that thought and see if you don't have a better week. See if you're, those around you don't enjoy your presence more. Wouldn't that be special? Everybody could enjoy each other more and church Listen, I do have a burden for our church. I'm convinced there's some spiritual things that we need to be doing as believers to work on that will cause those who walk through that door to want to stay. I've been here a long time, and I think if you can say one thing about our visitors, most of them haven't stayed. Who's, whose beeper was that? That's okay. I'm just, I'm, it's okay. But y'all, did y'all hear me what I said? Most, most of our visitors that, that are just, you win them to Christ or whatever, 
They just haven't stayed. We need to work. I think it starts at home. I think it starts with us. This is the core. This is what we have. This is who God's provided. And every one of us during this invitation needed to commit to the Lord that I'm going to engage in spiritual warfare, use this, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to allow my thinking to, do, to be better, more Christ-like this week. And my behavior will be better, and people are going to be more attracted to Christianity and the church. I'm convinced of it. I talked to a friend, and you've heard me tell the story many times about the Ken Martin and Martha Martin. Well, Ken called the church office. He, he found out that I was still at North Belt, and he left a message, and I returned the call this week. Ken is 77 and still working. He's working at home. I'm about to be next month 75. So we're very close. His wife died. I think she was in her late 30s when she died and left four little children with cancer. Linda would fly up, drive up with a friend, and they would go up and tend her, minister, uh, help her in her final days. Martha was the one that prayed with Linda and prayed for a, a wife for her husband when she was gone. She wanted a mother for her kids. And there was a, a single church secretary at their school, their Christian school, never been married, and they married, they've been married now ever since, and had two children. And so uh, she prayed, though. She prayed for a wife for her husband. That's pretty, pretty powerful, I thought. Well, he and I talked. He's attending a church on the north side of Dallas, and he said, not every month, but on average, we're baptizing. Get this, I want y'all to hear this. It's, it's gigantic. We're baptizing 500 people a month. And you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't let Satan beat me down with that and say, well, when have we even baptized anybody? You know, it's not that. But it's caused me to think there are some things that we can be in y'all. And I'm not just, I know, but I mean, y'all are out. Winning kids, y'all are there, others are there. Winning these kids to Christ. What, 30 this week? Was it? 30 or so this week, pray to receive Christ? But I'm, God's stirring my heart to see is there a way that we can somehow do something to have a place. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying anything about to talk to the elders, but I'm just saying God's stirring in my heart we need a place of discipleship for some of these people. When they get saved, they need a place to be able to come to be discipled by some godly people. And we need to figure that one out. So y'all pray. Let's have the invitation. I've, I, I've, I've, uh, I've been really good here lately about time, but I just had so much. Y'all, let's, let's pray. Let's uh, y'all respond Think about all the things that are going on and just be aware about these things that are being popped into our mind, these fiery darts that are coming. Take them captive and use the word of God to stand against it and stand strong with the whole armor of God this week. You'll have a great week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the power of the word. And we pray that today would be a victorious day for the church. And that we, North Belt members, would get excited and have a vision of what you want to do with us rather than just sit here and wither away on the vine. I pray you'd help us and encourage us and, uh, and give us your wisdom. Pray for souls, that souls would be saved. People that are lost on their way to hell would be saved before it's too late. And we trust you now to accomplish your will and bring honor and glory to yourself. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.